This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 204. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And I'm sitting here on a late Friday night in a hotel room with Jacob. Oh, geez. You know, late is relative, Riley. Some people, this is this is where they get going, you know? This is when I get going. You're weird. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Although I do get a lot done late at night, a lot of times it seems. Kids are in bed, asleep. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, well... Hey guys, we apologize. This episode's come to you a little bit late, later than we intended, later than we promised, in fact. Uh, Last, uh, well, yesterday would have been Thursday, and we wanted to get it done. We were traveling most of the day. Um, We were going to do it live on Facebook, and uh, because we know many of you have been enjoying viewing our live podcasts on Facebook, but it just did not work out. Um, So we're sorry. Uh, Today was also another busy uh completely filled day as far as the schedule goes but we're here now we're getting this put together uh and this episode features mr shane coley uh team captain of team glock and so this episode is brought to you today by glock and we're thankful to them for making uh, such generous use of their booth at shot show uh shot show 2018 so that's where this interview with mr shane coley was recorded uh Jacob and I uh, had the pleasure of interviewing him, and uh, a lot of great takeaways from this interview. Uh, I know he's he's definitely a competitive shooter, and he's well-known and well-respected in that uh, space, but uh, there's a lot of of good things we can take away from from this interview with Shane today. Yeah, I mean, what's for sure is the man can shoot. He can shoot well. He can shoot fast, and he shares some really important insights. He also talks about some of the new Glock products. Yeah, yeah, we're going to cover the new 19X and also the new Gen 5 guns from Glock in this interview with him and get his take and input on those. Um, you know, we saw at SHOT Show they released and announced the, well, they announced just before that, but we were able to get our hands on them for the first time at SHOT Show Industry Day at the Range, the new Gen 5 uh, Glock 26 and the Glock 34 MOS model as well. So that was pretty cool, and we also shot the 19X ourselves uh, for the first time. I know there's a few people out there that were able to get their hands on them before that, but uh, for us, that was the first time to shoot the 19X, and yeah, you know, pretty nice shooting little gun. Sure, shoots like a kind of feels like a, a Glock. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny how that works. <laughs> so anyway, we appreciate you guys uh, joining us. A uh, couple of quick things before we uh, play back this interview. Uh, we recently uh, had. Uh, on the podcast, this uh, contest, right? And we announced some winners. Wanted you to all know, so we get, stopped getting emails about it, that we have contacted everybody that won. And they and they have responded. And they've responded. That's done. We didn't know how many people we had with the same first name, last initial. Right. Apparently, there's like four different people who are like Michael L or whatever it was. Or Matt or something. It was, yeah. It was either Mike or Matt. I don't remember. Yeah. Turns out, anyway, the point is, is a lot of you that have the same person. <laughs> In the future, we will be better. Maybe we'll like do state as well. You know, Riley B from Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that might help a little, I suppose. Yeah. 
yeah. So anyway, uh, we just wanted to, we wanted to let you all know that we did in fact get everybody notified and everybody's responded that one uh, the uh, the 200th episode giveaway. So and it's been such a wonderful time uh, hearing from all of you though. So thanks for reaching out to us regardless. Uh, even if you didn't win, we're sorry, but it was still good to hear from you nonetheless. We also want to thank and recognize all of you that have left reviews of the podcast, particularly on iTunes. Thank you so much. That's much appreciated. Uh, we shared one on our last episode. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to one to, in today's episode or not, but uh, just want to let you all know that we do appreciate that. Hey, while we're at it, be sure to head on over to concealedcarry.com. Check out our latest articles on the blog there. Uh, a lot of interesting things coming out. Uh, re, you know, A lot of uh, reporting that we're doing, uh, covering the goings-on with this uh, recent Parkland, uh, Florida shooting, the gun control that's being talked about as, re- as a result of that, uh, President Trump. There's all kinds of things going on there. So just head on over to concealedcarry.com. Check that out. And uh, also, you, you can also head over to Facebook. If you haven't liked our Facebook page as well, Concealed Carry on Facebook. Uh, we hope to see you there as well. So anyway, with that, Jacob, I'm thinking we should go ahead and play this interview. Game on. Let's do it. Okay, so here he comes, Mr. Shane Coley from Glock. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. It's uh, Riley and Jacob. We're sitting here today with Shane Coley, team captain of Glock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in, in fact, we're in Glock's booth at SHOT Show 2018 this year. How you doing, sir? I'm good. It's been a, been a great week for us, and uh, I think it's been a good SHOT Show. We launched our new booth and some new products, so... Yeah, and it's it's a great look. Uh, it's a killer booth, man. Yeah, yeah, it looks really sharp, and man, tons of excitement about the new products this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what, what do we have? I guess I, since you brought up products, let's jump right into them, huh? And then we could talk to Shane a little bit about his uh, shooting because he's he's an all right shot, right? Yeah, we've heard we've heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. So what do we have? Let's see. Let's start with the Gen Fives. That's still kind of a big thing. I mean, back in August, I believe it was August, the, yep. the first Gen Fives were released. We had the nineteen and the seventeen. Correct. Right? And so uh, now we've got the Glock 26 and mm-hmm. the 34 MOS Gen right. 5s joining the team. Yeah, so. so talk a little bit about, you know, for those who are wondering you know, why the Gen 5 and what the Gen 5, talk through a little bit of that, Shane. So we have the Gen 5, and it's got uh, the, the main features that we added to it are we put a new finish on it, the NDLC finish, which is really, really beautiful finish. It's very strong, very durable, um, holds up to all the scratches and, and, you know, all the beatings that I can do to my guns through training, it, it, it holds up. Uh, we have the new Glock Marksman barrel, which is by far one of the most accurate barrels I've ever shot. And uh, we have the ambidextrous slide stop lever, which kind of increases the versatility of the pistol from your right and left-handed shooters. We uh, we took off the finger groups, and we flared the magwell, which is going to you know assist you with reloads, make it a little bit easier. And uh, so here we launched the 26, which is our subcompact. Um, it's one of the guns I carry every day, one of my favorite ones. And we've also got the 34 MOS, which I'm really excited about because throughout the 2018 year, now Team Glock has this pistol that we can transition to to start competing with. So this is a huge launch for us, and I think this is going to be a great year for you know for the team with the Gen 5. So I am pumped that this gun is finally out. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking to one of our uh, one of our writers the other day, earlier this week, and it's it's interesting because when you pick up that Gen Five, because there's no finger grooves, it almost feels like you're getting a stronger grip. The lack of uh, it's almost like you think, wait, is there more stippling on this? And then you check, like, no, 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 it's the same stippling. Right. It's just because the finger grooves aren't there, I'm locking down my grip tighter, and it feels stronger. It feels it feels almost like there's more stippling, but there's not. Right. And it's then without the finger grooves, it's gonna um, it's gonna allow 
all shooters with all hand sizes to get that that appropriate grip that they really need to handle the recoil. So I think the gun now is going to fit everyone, not just fit you know certain select people or whoever had that hand size for the yeah. finger grooves. Yeah, I mean it always worked for me. I got very average hands, but uh, you know some some people got bare paws like I have, Riley. I have <laughs> meatier hands than yours, but uh, the finger grooves have always worked just fine for me. Yeah, yeah. I, but but I totally understand why people, you know. Didn't care for them. I mean, right. Particularly the smaller hands and some large or very large hands. Yeah, another thing about the Gen 5s that I, I really, really appreciate is the flared magwell. And I think people who have never shot a gun with a flared magwell don't understand how valuable that could be. Right. Now, my reloads are nothing like yours, Shane. So so talk a little bit. You know, for someone who's never picked it up, what is what is that like? That flared magwell, how big of a difference does it make? Well, you know, with the, with the previous generations, the, the magwell being straight on, if during a reload for whatever reason... Um, you were off just a just a couple thousandths or a tenth of an inch or whatever. The magazine would stick in the stick in the side of the frame, so you'd have to readjust, reinsert the magazine, which costs time, whether it be competition or in real life. Um, now with the flared magwell, it kind of creates a funnel. So if I do have that minute miss or that very small miss, now the flared magwell is going to allow that magazine to kind of slide into place and self-correct, and uh, it's going to allow for more consistent reloads and you know be quicker when you have to be. Yeah, yeah, and you know when we're talking about when when time counts and when nerves are high, adrenaline is high. That that matters, right? Uh, Riley, you you noticed a, a little bit of a perceptible difference in the triggers with the Gen Five. Absolutely, I mean, basically what we have is the Glock forty three style trigger right. group in there, right? Yep. And I think on that larger frame gun, with a little bit larger, a longer uh, trigger bar, all that. I and I'm no trigger, you know, mechanical engineering sort of dude at all, but just the way I look at it, it. On the larger frame gun, it seems like it really smooths it out, and I'm really appreciative of the uh, better feel on the trigger. Yep, I did a lot of work with the um, with the 17 and 19 right after they right before, or right before they came out, and that was one thing that I was truly genuinely impressed about was how well the trigger was. Uh, the pull was the pull was different, the break was different, everything was more consistent. Um, the gun just felt so much better to shoot, and uh, that's you know now with the 34 out, that man. I, I keep I keep going back to it, but I'm pumped. I can't yeah. wait to get this gun in our hands so we can start winning matches with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no, awesome. No kidding. So I remember when you were winning. See, you won the. See that you were uh, second place, 2014, I think. World, World shoot. shoot. Yeah, that was a big deal, man. And that, that was, was open heart, division. That was a right? heartbreaker. It was open. Yeah, and that was that came down to the very last stage. Yeah, so that was just a. Uh, that whole week was just rough. I had gotten food poisoning the second or third day and had to sit a day out of the match. Ooh. And then had to shoot through the next the next day to make up all the stages. So everything was rushed and pressured. And that whole week was just chaotic and came down to the very last stage. And Max shot a fantastic match. I mean, yeah. God deserved it. He's, he's worked his butt off for so many years. But ended up losing by 1.2 points. Yeah. Kind of a 2,000-point point match. That was incredible. I, I think that was one of the most amazing finishes between two guys that i've ever uh seen and i wasn't there in person but but i've seen some of the videos some of the stuff on youtube and things that people have posted and i mean it's just phenomenal yeah i mean it was it was awesome match just it was a hard fought match and if i lose that's how i want to lose you know i want to lose to a guy who deserves it i want to lose to you know a guy knowing that both of us shot our best but you know that's an interesting thing and maybe it's a little bit of a tangent but i i really appreciate how in the competitive shooting sports you know you guys are coming from your your sponsor shooters right your your team block uh, you got people from other manufacturing uh, companies, et cetera, and teams. But it's, it's, it's more of a family that I think a lot of people think that it is, who haven't been part of that experience. Uh, and, and it's great to hear you say, you know, and that's what we hear everybody say, you know, that, hey, they deserved it. Hey, great guy. Um, it's really quite a family in the competitive shooting sports. It is. And it's, it's a community that's willing to do or to go 
bend over backwards for anyone who needs help. They're willing to bring in the new shooters, teach them, give them advice, opinions, knowledge, and help them figure out how to be a better shooter. But at the same time, we're still competing against each other. You know, I want to win. I want to be better than this guy, but if he ever needs my help, I'm going to be willing to help him or support him in, you know, bringing new shooters into the community. And everyone, the 15 years I've been doing this, this has been one of the most welcoming communities I've ever been a part of. Yeah. yeah. Any any thoughts that you would give for someone who, you know, this is concealedcarry.com, right? So a lot of the listeners of this podcast uh, are probably primarily carrying guns for self-defense. Maybe mm-hmm. they've thought about competitive shooting. Maybe they saw the league at the club or something. You know, what, what would you say to people who are kind of on the fence about getting into competitive shooting? I think competitive shooting is very good. Um, obviously, people have, there's naysayers who don't believe in it, but... Uh, Competitive shooting shows you a different side of shooting. You you always have your tactical shooters, but at the end of the day, they're only applying tactics to shooting. And competitive shooting makes you really good at shooting. So they they teach you the fundamentals of, you know, front sight, trigger press, grip, recoil management, movement. And you can apply that into tactics, which relates basically to the same same goal. You're still going to be a fantastic shooter. So the guys that are on the fence, I think it's good. And competitive shooting is pressure. There's always going to be that pressure there to, to perform, to succeed, but you don't have to go into it looking like, oh, I've got to, if I'm going to do this, I've got to win. Just go in and learn. And every, every time you shoot a match, you should always learn. So even if you're not even the top tier or the lower, or the lower percentage, you're still learning something. You can become a better shooter every day. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, ultimately, more time, more time on the trigger. And I love what you said about the pressure, right? Because I think in, in the defensive tactical shooting world, you know, we need somehow to simulate that that sense of, of urgency or pressure right. or fear even. Uh, so competitive shooting is a great place to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we know the Glock platform is already a great shooting gun. Uh, I'm curious just a little bit about how you set your guns up for, for your matches. Um, so I don't do a ton to the guns. I try to keep them um, as close to a Glock as, a, as I can. Mm-hmm. I have some slide cuts, uh, which more or, just, more or less just for aesthetics, cosmetics. I like stuff that looks kind of <laughs> cool. Um, I change out my sights to do fiber optic front sight and have an adjustable rear sight built into the back of the slide. Um, and I do basically a connector chains, polish up some parts, do a spring change, and that's about it. Add a little magwell, stipple the grip, mm. and uh, that's pretty much my guns. Yeah, awesome. I keep it, keep it relatively simple. Uh, I think a lot of guys try to turn a Glock into something it's not. It'll never be a 1911. You'll never have that style of gun or that trigger. Um, yep. So I don't want that because you lose reliability, you lose, the fu- you lose the function of the gun, and it becomes something that it's not. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's good. That's Those cool. are good thoughts. Now we we kind of got a tangent because I know we were going to talk about new products, and right. uh, we I think we, we touched on back. some of the you know big features of the Gen Five. Yeah. But one uh, big I guess ele- elephant in the room is the 19X. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of excitement here at the show about the 19X. So the 19X was uh, it was built for a very specific set of requirements, um, and we wanted to bring it to commercial market. And all we did was we put a full size or a compact slide on a full size frame. We gave it standard Glock night sights. We put the Glock marksman barrel in it. Um, we have a new finish on the slide that's called NPVD. So yeah. we're allow- that allows us to do the Coyote finish on it. Um, the, the, the new barrel has the, the NDLC finish. Still has the ambidextrous slide stop lever for right left-handed shooters and the no finger groups. Right. Um, like I said, this is a, this a new thing that we've never done before. We've never had this crossover category where we're putting different size pistols on each other and making this new, this new gun. So... I was uh, I was at media day, shot the gun, and total believer. Loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. It's inter- I mean, to me, it opens up a, a can of uh, potential, right? It's like, okay, well, if, if we can do this, if we can do the the smaller slide on the larger frame, then maybe we need. Why not the smaller frame with the larger slide? Or yep, and you know, all get, of a sudden, all these possibilities start to right, flow. Right, and we're getting a lot of this, a lot of that on uh, social media, and I'm sure they're 
future will future will hold the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I think the gun with the, it's got the extended magazines now. It comes with three mags. Uh, one is the standard 17 mag, and the two other mags have the uh, extended base pad. It's now with the increased mag capacity up to 20 rounds. Yeah. So that's it's very comfortable to shoot. The full size grip or the full size frame allows you to get a really good grip on the pistol and control that compact slide. So I like I said, I'm a firm believer in this gun, and I can't wait to get. Get this thing back out to the range. Yep. Mm. And, and now, correct me if I'm wrong, Shane, but all the new Gen 5s, the 19X, they're all shipping. You know, they're out there. Yes, People can buy they, these guns. They are available right now. Yeah. So if you want one, there's <laughs> a gun store near you. Go That's grab right. it. Go, yeah. go get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. That finish on the uh, 19X is an amazing finish. I love the way it looks. It almost I looks too. like it's, I mean, like you put it in the sunlight, it's like, whoa, dang, dude. I mean, it looks like a custom Cerakote job it somebody does. did. Yeah. It, yeah, people don't understand that it's more than just changing the color. And right. That's going to be a common point of confusion here. Right, right. And, uh, you know, we, ha- we had these guns. We've had them in testing for a while now, and we had it at Media Day all day, and we let, guy- we let all, the, all the media people come in and beat up the guns, and, you know, it, withst- it withstood everything. It came, out, it came off the range looking just like it did when we first pulled it out of the box. Yeah. Uh, we've done, we've shot videos with it, and it's, it's just, it's beautiful. It truly is shines. And it stands, I mean, it stands out among everything else, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. the way to move forward. Uh, now, the Gen, uh, a quick note here that the Gen 5s and the 19X are being manufactured both in the U.S. facility and in Europe, I understand. Right. So for those of you who want to make sure you get a U.S. gun, those, those are going to be available. You're going to be able to get a U.S.-made uh, Gen 5 or 19X. That's right. So here's another question. What do you spend your days doing, Mr. Team Captain? So I have a desk job, believe it or not. People yep. think that I just shoot all the time, which is not, I wish it was the case, but it's not true. Um, I work in marketing for Glock. Um, I handle a lot of, the, or not handle, but help with a lot of their social media stuff. I do a lot of creative concepts for web content, um, help out an advertising manager and our uh, communications manager, Brandy. Uh, so I spend a lot of time working with, with both, of those, both of those positions. And uh, so I do that usually from 8 to noon, go home for lunch, uh, grab a quick bite to eat, play with my dog for a few minutes. And then pick up or pack up all my stuff and go to the range for the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so it's it's constantly on the go. Uh, some days I just have a full training day. I won't go into the office unless it, there's just something catastrophic that I need to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll have a full day dedicated to the range. Uh, then from the range, I go to the gym, work out for a couple hours, make sure that staying fit and you know continuing to be explosive in movements and stuff, and uh, then go back to the house. So let's let's talk about range time a little bit. So let's imagine that you know, if for the average self defense shooter who's probably listening to this podcast, they when they go to the range, when they get there, they probably have two three hours, you know, or so to, to train. And what are some of the things you do? Talk about maybe you know what is your warm up routine, or what is that that one drill that you know you think is just is core for for driving your fundamentals and getting it done. You just said it. Fundamentals. Fundamentals are key for everything. You know, you have a lot of guys that want they want to be they want to be really good, but they haven't become really good at the, at the easy stuff yet and they want to do like this hard drill or shooting on the move or all these crazy crazy drills but they haven't even mastered the fundamentals yet i preach that in all all the classes that i give they have to master the fundamentals before you can do anything else and so i do majority of my training is very boring you know it's build drills one shot draws two shot draws uh two target transitions but that just reinforces all of the the mandatory things that i have to be able to be great at to to be as good of a shooter as i am so the the fundamentals is, are key. I, I preach that all the time. Master the fundamentals. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. So tell, you show up at the range. You you pull up in the vehicle or whatever. Is it open open air range? Uh, yes. Awesome. You, let's say you pull up. You pull out your gear bag. You pull out your guns, your ammo. What? Where do you start? Um, so pull out my stuff. Uh, 
usually because I have an hour drive to get out to my range. So I use that hour drive to kind of prep mentally what I want to what I want what I want to accomplish for the day. Mm. You know what drills I want to do. What you know what hits I expect on target. What kind of speed I'm looking for, and just kind of build that plan out as I'm getting to the range. So when I get there, I don't have to do anything but just set up. So go straight into my setup. Um, I'm using this new headset now called uh, it's like a, it's called Halo Neuroscience, hmm. and it uh, it's a hyperplasticity where in your brain, so it allows you to uh, basically learn faster. Um, so I use it to kind of help me with my warm up. I do a bunch of dry fires, some very simple build drills. Um, like I said, one shot draws, and then from there, depending on what I want to accomplish in training, I'll start building out the other drills, whether it be strong hand weekend uh, positions, shooting in or under barricades, around walls, barrels, whatever it is I decide I need to do, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of progress. And if I see at any point during warm up, if I see something I don't like, then I'll never advance to what else I need to do. I'll stick to that drill yeah. until that is comfortable. And if that takes up all my training time, then so be it, because that's what I have yeah. to be good, be great at. Where do you? Is there any one particular thing that is kind of like a a constant struggle for you? Like, there's like that one thing that just always gets you, or discipline? Or it, yeah, discipline. Hmm. Um, discipline is the hardest thing to learn as a shooter because you have to be so disciplined. Everything happens so fast. You know, you're shooting 15 splits, 12 splits. Your transitions are two tenths of a second, um, but you have to be able to go from that 12 split to a 23 split for a 30 yard headshot or a 30 yard target, and to have the discipline to to slow down that 10th, but still maintain all the proper fundamentals and not jerk the trigger or try to shoot too fast or not pay attention to your front sight. It's, it's all discipline. And, uh, I think that's been the biggest struggle throughout my career. And that's one thing that I've been focusing on the most over the last couple of years. And, uh, I think it's really and truly paid off a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Clearly. No, that's, that's a great point because I think I, I, I know I struggle with that all the time, right? Cause there's such a tendency to, once you start going fast, you just want to keep going fast. It's like right. put that pedal all the way in and, and go and hang on, you know, and slowing down is a, is a challenging yep. thing. Is there any one particular, I mean, do you have a, a tip or a trick that you would share with listeners as far as, you know, when, where you start st- maybe struggling, slowing down when you need to, you go back. Is it just a, a matter of just going back and repetitively slowing down or? Well, I do. Um, I actually do something different that I've never seen anyone else do. So generally most people will set part times in their clocks to see, how fast they can do something, see if they can beat the part-time. Mm. I set really slow part-times and see how close I can get to it. Oh, so oh, I'll shoot, I'll set, we'll say, uh, I'll set up a target at 10 yards. And I'll set up a, uh, a 10 inch plate at 35 and I will put a three and a half, four second part-time on my, on the timer, draw the gu- timer goes off, draw the gun, shoot my two shots on the paper and transition to the steel and see how close to four seconds I can get. Cause that makes me sit on the target, see a very, very clear front sight picture and not rush the shot makes me feel the trigger pull mm. through its entirety, not pulling the shot, not trying to do anything silly, but focusing on that one shot alone. And that teaches me discipline. So That's now when, cool. I, when I apply this in a match, I go, to the, I go from that, 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 that close shot out to that far shot. I've done this so many times when I get there, I know all I have to do is line up that sight and squeeze the trigger through its entirety, and then I can pr- progress in the stage. That is really cool. Yeah, I love it. I like I'm trying to decide what we would call it. It's almost like a purposeful, you know, purposefully going slow. You know, setting maybe, setting the time. Maybe he has a, a, a name for it. The yeah. boring drill. The boring, the boring drill. drill. The boring drill. <laughs> I hate doing it, but it's done. It's done so well for me. The boring drill. There you go. See. All right. Well, we'll, we'll tell we'll tell your competitors to not listen to this podcast. But uh, yeah, the the boring drill. I I like that so much because what what you see is it's almost like you you've gone so fast so long that. That going slow is almost a almost a burden, mm-hmm. right? And so, so forcing that uh, allows you to just reinforce those fundamentals and bring it back to the core, and and then then let go, then right. release. Yeah. And and when you slow down, one of the one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they want to speed up too fast. 
Yep. So they, they get to this shot that they have to they have to take slow, and all they can think about is getting out of this shot, getting to the next one. So never truly focus on this one shot. They focus. They see a flashlight picture. They know they have to go slow. They might shoot two slow shots, but their brain's already a, way ahead of them, thinking about the next target where they can speed back up, instead of focusing on this this particular two shots that you have to make. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think this drill really helps you with. It helps you be disciplined enough to focus on these shots. Stay right here in the present because. The great Rob Latham said one day, the most important shot you'll ever take is the one you're currently taking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great that's advice. That's a good quote. Yeah. Um, going back to that 2014 World Shoot, and I don't mean to keep going back to that, but I just think that was such a I, – I, I see that as a bit of a turning point in for you in your career. Uh, you know, I know that you've probably really dedicated yourself since – I mean, you got so close, but not quite, right? Mm-hmm. Heartbreaking, you know, as you may, may have described it. Is there any one particular thing that as you look back, you're like, ah, you know, maybe if, if this or maybe if that or, or it was this particular thing that was giving you fits and struggles and, you know, now you can fix that and, and go on and, and maybe, you know, win the next one? Well, that that whole year, it, it, it was a turning point. You bring that up and that's, that's, that's very, very true. That, 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 that match haunted me for a long time. I couldn't sleep for weeks. Mm. I mean... When I found out when I found out that uh, that I had lost the match by that much, I was I was sick for a couple of hours. I couldn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep for a couple of weeks. Uh, I just felt totally beaten down as a as a shooter and as a person because I had worked so hard for that. So then I own responsibility for what I did. I look back and I assess my training. What did I do to prepare for this? Then there was so many different opportunities that I missed. I would allow this hour of training to go away to go do something else, or I would decide not to shoot this day to take a break, or. Maybe I would take a lunch break for 30 minutes too long. And all these little things added up to what I consider my loss. Mm. And it was just all the, all the little opportunities that I had that I didn't take advantage of as a, as a pro athlete. You know, I've, I want to be the best, so I have to beat the best. And to beat the best, you have to do everything almost perfect or always try to achieve perfection. And uh, so after that, I told myself that I would always be 1% better every day. No matter if it's I get up five minutes earlier, start work five minutes earlier, uh, stay five minutes later at work to accomplish one more task. But as long as every day I'm one percent, one percent better, then I know at the end of the year all the t- all the hard times will will pay off. I love the one percent better idea. Uh, that that's just going to compound over time. Shane, I want to transition a little bit. I'd like to yeah. talk about your dry fire practice. Mm-hmm. So you know, dry fire is a thing. I think that no one listening to this podcast is unfamiliar with dry fire. Yep. But talk a little bit about how that plays into your overall strategy. Do you do you look at it as you know? training different things or it's the same things talk, talk a little bit about how you how you approach dry fire so dry fire i use as a tool to fix my simple mess ups on the range so if i go to the range to have a bad day maybe my missing my draws or i feel like my draws are too tense too slow or my reloads are just a little off then i'll, I'll drive straight home and I, it will bug me the whole drive home because like i said i have i have an hour hour drive so it's a lot of time to think and uh, it'll bug me the whole way home as soon as i pull in the driveway i'll go upstairs and, and practice i'll fix my draws and i'll break everything down to the absolute simplest step. You know, I feel the web in my hand touch the back strap of the pistol. I feel my uh, middle finger knuckle get under the trigger guard. I feel the, I feel the uh, trigger guard break free of the holster. Pointer finger knuckle under the trigger guard as my left hand hits the gun. I break everything down to very simple steps so I get back to that perfect draw. So all the little two-tenths slow or whatever it is doesn't happen anymore. And then same thing with the reload. I make the reload as, as simple and as slow as possible so that all those little tiny mistakes get get out or they go away Mm -hmm. yeah that's great i love that approach Mm. um anything i mean tell me a little bit about uh say reloads um Um, that that's obviously a place you can either 
Oh, you can lose a lot of time. That's really yes, what it comes absolutely. down to, right? So uh, any tips, tricks, practice routines, dry fire routines? I'm curious about reloads. Yeah, I do. Um, one of the things that I see a lot of people doing is they reload with the gun too low. Um, instead of keeping it up in their, their peripheral vision or up in their face. Yeah. I, call it my, I call it my workspace. Right. Um, but it allows your peripheral vision to still, still see your target, but you're going to be staring at the magwell. A lot of people now think that you're supposed to stare at your target, and through muscle memory, you'll be able to hit your reload, which I don't believe. I don't, I don't agree with. I think you should be looking exactly where you want that mag to go, and I'm still going to be able to see everything that's around me. Um, but the proper grip on the mag, make sure you're looking at the, the magwell, having the gun in the same spot every single time, because every time you shift that gun in the reload, your reload changes. Now your position changes, the gun changes, um, the angle of the mag changes. So you have to keep everything the same every single time. And that's one reason that I break everything down to such simple steps, because that allows me to perfect each movement so I don't have those minute changes. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, so consi- I mean, consistency is, is something that just keeps coming out now in, in what you're talking about, Shane. And I, I think about how, you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm not a competitive shooter, I'm a defensive shooter, you know, you're, you're missing the point. Right. Right? Because consistency is key in all of these elements and, and perhaps even more important in defensive shooting when the fundamentals break down, right? Where where the, the muscle memory is that much more important because the adrenaline's there, I'm, I'm in great fear for my life. So, so you know, ask yourself as a shooter... Are you doing what's necessary to to have that that great consistency where the the gun's always going the same place, doing the reload the same way every time, your your trigger squeeze, all those things. And so I, I love what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your greatest accomplishment? Do you feel up to this point? Ooh. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy one. And, and and then with along with that, what are you next trying to achieve? What's your next big goal? Well, I think I think. Uh, Personally, one of my one of my biggest accomplishments this year or thus far was winning nationals last year. Yeah. Um, and I say that because, of course, Glock is incredibly supportive. They expect me to win, but the level of commitment that I did that year. I, every day I didn't want to go train. Every day I was sick of shooting. Every day I didn't feel good. Every day I was tired. Every day, every day that I didn't want to do want to do what I do, I got up and did it. And I was I told myself at the beginning beginning of the year I was going to be 100% committed. I was not going to let anything happen that took my training away or let me lose a match and look back and say, I could have done this better. If I was going to lose, I wanted to lose knowing that I did everything that I could and maybe I just wasn't good enough yet, which I'm okay with because if I give my best effort, then I can never, hold, I can never be upset with myself. Uh-huh. So the level of commitment that I, that I had throughout the year paid off for that five minutes of glory to stand on the podium knowing that I, everything that I had done paid off. Yeah. And it was so many days that I hated what I did, but that five minutes standing on the, on the podium was worth it. And that's yeah. been such a blessing and I'm so happy. And I, I, I was speechless when, when I realized it happened and yeah. I knew that I teared up with my family because me and my dad had, had a lot of long talks about, you know, where I wanted to go with life. And if shooting was for me, cause I was really upset with training. I didn't, I wasn't happy. And I was like, but I'm, I'm committed to this. I know it sucks right now and I'm not really happy with, with how things are going, but I'm not giving up on it. Mm. And then everything paid off and it got emotional and I, I was speechless. I, to me, that's, that, that, was, that was very very heartwarming for me because I, I know that I committed to it. Mm-hmm. I, ne- I never let anyone or anything pull me away from what I wanted to do. I, I accomplished yeah. my dream. Yeah, not only is that impactful for you, but think about what that the example you set, right? I mean, you're obviously, you're, you're the team captain, but also for the, your other friends in the, in the sport, in the industry, for your family, for people listening to this podcast, right? I mean, that, that's an inspiring message, too. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was what I wanted to tell, you know, to, to, that was one of the messages that I wanted to send. Yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of people 
had that have come up to me here and say that I've inspired them to do different things to become competitive shooters. And that's the message that I want that I want to present to people is, you know, no matter what, if you just commit to things and go for it, you're going to accomplish what you want to do. And yeah. uh, that was, I mean, that was a, a true slap in the face for me to see that firsthand. And uh, that was, like you said, you brought up the world shoot. It was all those days I didn't want to train. I didn't train. Uh, maybe yep. I felt a little sick today. Okay, I can take a day off. I got four more days this week. Yep. And those days collectively added up. And then I look back over training for six months or for seven months, and I've got 40 days of missed training. Yep. What could yep. I have done with those 40 days? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big impact. See, and that, that was going to be my follow-up question was, did you feel like winning the Nationals was kind of a culmination of yep. everything going back to 2014? Yep. And like I said, that match has haunted me for so long. I still yeah. talk about it today. And every time, I, every time it gets brought up, I get, I get upset and get, get, get fired up again. But that match has driven me to, to be where I am now. And, yeah. you know, the, the Rock always says, be the hardest, hardest working person in the room. And I firmly believe that. You know, there's there's going to be a day where my time is done and someone else is going to come along and beat me and I'm going to hire my predecessor. But for now, I want to be the hardest guy that, that works out there. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is there's there's an interesting application here for for the defensive shooting world too because in the defensive shooting world we don't have those that that one competition where we win or we lose to kind of help us you know say oh no, I need to keep going better. We have to be we have to have that discipline to practice and to get better without being in gunfights all the time. Right, right, right exactly. Um, and, and I think that's another argument for competitive shooting, right? Because by, by getting into competitive shooting, you have those incentives, you have those momentary moments of, of personal reflection, of, of win or loss uh, that allow you to move forward. And mm -hmm. so that's another thing to be thinking about. Are you saying you're going to get into competitive shooting? We'll see. It's also, it's also, I love it. It also <laughs> sets attainable goals, too. Right. You know, as a, like you said, as a, as a defensive shooter, you can't just go out and get into a gunfight and assess yourself like, oh, I need to do this better. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, now <laughs> but, I know. You know, with competitive shooting, you don't, have to, you don't have to go into it expecting to be a national champion one day, but you can go into it with attainable goals of maybe, th maybe at some point, I want to be at this percentage of this guy, or I want to be at this percentage of this guy. And that's only going to translate to what, what you're doing every day to protect you and your family. And if, God forbid, the day ever comes, you know that now you are prepared. You mm -hmm. have done this, this, and this, and you are ready to take on the challenge of life. Right. Yeah, it's remarkable how much peace of mind comes from getting a piece of plastic, slapping it in the wallet, and putting a gun in the pants. Yeah. And, and I think that you know, the more you shoot and the more time you spend on the range, whether it's competitive or otherwise, it opens up your eyes to how much more probably needs to be done right. to really have the you know, sleep, sleep warm at night you right. know, and to know it can be done. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Next big goal. Next big goal is to uh, I want our team – and this isn't a personal goal. This is a team goal. I want our mm. team to sweep nationals next year. Um, nice. I know we did very well this year, and I'm I'm incredibly happy with how everyone performed. Ashley's amazing. She's she? incredible. And she, Michelle, of course, too. I mean, yes, long time performer. They, but they made they made so much progress yeah. this year, and I'm so proud of them. And the, my biggest goal, I, I would be I would be speechless and emotional if I if I saw the whole team sweep next year. This team is this team has been so supportive of me of all of every or everything that we want to do as a team this block has supported us in so many different ways and i want to give back to them as much as i can you know this this company this team means everything to me so if we could sweep nationals and do that as a team collectively i would you probably see me tear up on the podium <laughs> that would be that would be huge that would be a moment we'd like to be there for yeah awesome um, yeah. cool well, Shane, we really appreciate your time here today and to join us for a few minutes on the Concealed Carry podcast. Uh, you're a wonderful ambassador for, for Team Glock, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, and, and have a great rest of the show. Thank you so much. Hey, well, Jacob, there you have it, our interview with uh, Shane Coley, uh, captain of Team Glock. What was your favorite takeaway from that interview? 
you know, he said a lot of things, just generally speaking, about uh, you know, high performance and peak performance that I think apply to everything, right? Things like, if every day I get 1% better. Yeah. Uh, it, that that really hit hard for me, this idea that, you know, it, look at anything. It could be shooting or it could be something, uh, you know, professional or personal. But are we, you know, are we all dedicated to just becoming better at what we do at our craft? And so I thought that was really impactful. Yeah, that's a great takeaway. And and rather inspirational, actually, you know. I mean, it could be applied to just about anything in life. You know, just try to get, you know, 1% better every day. Um, my... Oh, I had a couple, you know, big takeaways, but uh, I, I liked a simple one, which was his way of using the shot timer to help him slow down for those targets that he that that you need to slow down for. Uh, that that was just I don't know I I've, I've never done that before, and I'm gonna try that the next time I I get the opportunity to, opportunity to do that at the range, uh, just to see kind of how that goes because. I mean, that is probably one of the, the bigger challenges where it comes to shooting, particularly if you are more into the active, uh, excuse me, active, not active, action, <laughs> boy, it's late, action type shooting or even defensive shooting where you, if you're up close on a target, it's just so easy to, to go fast on that target. But if you have a difficult shot to make or a shot that's with uh, greater difficulty or distance, it's so much harder to slow yourself down and, and make that shot count. And his way of using the shot timer to help you do that, to kind of train the brain repeatedly with going from a close up, up close, fast shooting target to a further away or smaller or more difficult target by using the shot timer, trying to actually match that, you know, say four seconds, you know, time frame as opposed to typically we'd just be trying to do it as fast as we can. Yeah, what did he? Is that the one he called the boring drill? The boring drill. The boring yes. drill. Yeah, maybe we should have a boring drill competition. Sure. Yeah, like a challenge. Who can get the closest to uh, four-second part-time? Yeah. And yeah. make their hits count. That's right. There right? You yeah. you think, the other thing that's cool about that kind of drill, by the way, this, this wasn't something that I thought of at the time when we were interviewing him, but I thought about you know now as we re-listened to this interview, uh, was that, that that drill's not only good as far as you're trying to get to that four-second mark, right? And so you're forcing yourself to slow down. But here's the kicker, right? Like, for instance, if you are counting in your brain or if you have kind of learned what that duration feels like okay so you're trying to hit that four seconds we well, really only get one shot at that far target right because i mean if you miss it and then your your part time is up and you're then you're over part time like that's how i would right. use that yeah. drill like right it has to be you a have to make it count yeah it has to be a hit yeah and so do that about i don't know a thousand times and i think you'll have inc you'll you'll have vastly improved not only your shooting skill but also your confidence and he mentioned that 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 helps him with his confidence making those further shots yeah yeah true so that was a kind of a big one for me so a lot of great takeaways obviously from this episode on on the whole uh lots of little nuggets in there so i hope our less listeners themselves also got a lot out of this uh let us know you respond to to this episode drop a comment either on the uh the podcast, uh, you know, just below the show notes, if you're viewing this or listening to this on our website, or shoot us an email at podcast at concealedcarry.com. We'd love to hear from you and hear your thoughts on anything that you heard in today's episode, uh, whether it's, even if it's something you just didn't agree with, we'd love to hear that. Voice your opinion. You know, it's been a while since we actually 
answer directly questions on the podcast, Jacob. So I'm putting a call out there. Uh, any any thoughts or questions about this episode episode today, or anything else that you've got on your mind? Just open up that email, you know, uh, a client that you prefer to use, and type in podcast at concealedcarry.com and shoot it on over to us. And so with that, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. We're actually going to get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple of long days still ahead of us here, so yeah. Jacob, yeah. anything else, bud? No, man. We're good. Once again, a big thank you to Glock for their support of us and this podcast and welcoming us into their booth, the beautiful booth, brand new booth design. Uh, never saw it before. Uh, spent a lot of money, I'm sure, putting it together, but it really came off nicely. Thank you, Glock, for uh, making this episode today of the Concealed Carry Podcast possible. Uh, folks, you know, just a little shout out to them. And if you feel inclined to support them, please do so. And so with that, we're going to let you all go. Uh, we'll bid you adieu. Take care. Be safe out there. Keep training hard. Do everything you can to get just a little bit better, maybe even just 1% better each day. And we'll see you next time. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.